Well, good morning. Uh, in case you don't know me, my name is uh, uh, Ben. I'm a deacon here at BC. Um, today I'll be talking and preaching from Psalm 13. Um, we just finished a sermon series on, uh, on Hebrews and also uh, wrapped up another sermon series on, on big questions. And so I thought I'd pick the psalm with uh, the most questions that I could find, um, most question marks maybe. Um, Maybe not. Uh, but anyway, Dan and, uh, and Jen, um, if you hadn't heard yet or hadn't checked Facebook, uh, birthed a, um, a beautiful baby girl on Friday morning, and I think we have a picture up as well. So, um, yeah, Henrietta Noel. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely a, um, a blessing and a miracle. I know it's a, it seems like maybe a common occurrence here at BC, right? Because of just what what stage in life a lot of us are, but um, but still, what a what a wonderful blessing! And you know, the, the borns have have born another baby born, so um, and another little girl, and uh, and just a constant reminder of that as well. Even the kids running out, the kids connect. You know, it's a um, it's a good it's a good thing. You know, uh, God has blessed us. So anyway, if you could turn to Psalm 13, um, if you have a uh, a pew Bible, that's page 453, so there's some Bibles underneath uh, the chairs if you wanted to grab one in front of your seat. Um, to the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forgive me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for for the word that you give us, for the the gospel message and its truth. And... um, just thank you for the fact that it fits us in, in every stage of, of life and every walk that we, we go through um, and that there are always words to, uh, um, to console us, uh, to help us understand that, uh, that you are in charge, that you are in control. And I pray that you would just help us to, uh, to look forward to that as we, as we move through this psalm, dear God, that we would understand that, uh, that you are good, that you are the giver of hope. Um, in your name I pray. Amen. So the main point today I want to bring up um, is this, uh, the path of the psalmist leads us to a place of humility through humanity, through our humanity, uh, where God answers and provides for us assurance and peace. And so uh, even though this is a short psalm, it's only six verses long, um, I've kind of broken it down uh, to the kind of a path that David follows um, through this. Uh, and that path kind of goes um, goes like this, he, he recognizes um, our human condition and the fact that we do often have questions and, and the questioning is kind of a big part of, of what this psalm is about. Uh, he then pours out his soul to God. You know, he's not just just asking this question to, uh, to make himself feel better or, or anything like that. He's, he's pouring his soul um, to, the, to the God that he has a relationship with. Um, and then in so doing, uh, he recognizes his need for God and ultimately uh, God does answer him. Uh, and gives him assurance and peace. Um, and so a little bit about the background of this psalm. Um, some people call it a psalm of lament. 
uh, maybe a, a psalm of disorientation. Uh, David is, is kind of out of alignment here. Um, there's something not quite right, and we don't know exactly what that might be. Um, we're not too sure of the historical context that fits with this psalm. Um, but obviously something, something's happened, right? Maybe it's a defeat in battle, um, a loss of, of someone. Uh, um, maybe it's just a, you know, about with, with depression. Um, but nonetheless, regardless, right? Um, he's hurt and he brings it before the Lord. And uh, his path ends with thanks in verses 5 and 6. And as I was reading through through the psalm and in preparation, it, it just stunned me. It, it, of course, it took a while to get there, but it stunned me how how quick that transition takes place for David. Um, you know, he's he's asking he's asking that question. You know, begging begging to God, um, how long will, will I feel this way? Um, you know, how long will I hurt? And how long will I be in pain? Um, and God uh, responds, and his heart has changed. And of course, we don't know. How long that might have taken, uh, he, he can write it out in six short verses, but it might take, a, of course, a lot longer in, in time to get there. Um, but just ultimately, um, that's quite the chasm to cross, and I think that maybe we can look at this kind of the path that he follows here in these, these four little, little steps that we can break down the psalm with and, and understand a little bit about um, how to go from brokenness to thanksgiving. Because um, not only, you know, have we... We talked about how we went over some big questions and, and things like that in previous sermons, but also we're approaching a time of the year that is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful time to celebrate with, with friends and family, but it's not the case for everyone, you know, and there's a lot of people who uh, who have a difficult time going through the holiday season just because of, of the fact that they're broken, you know, and, and the psalm of of lament of David's might might sound very familiar to them, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll understand what, what path can be followed to, you know, hopefully uh, reach that point where we can trust on God and, and lean on Him and what He give us. So, some people call this the Howling Psalm. Uh, how, 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 right? How long will you forget me? Uh, beginning in verse 1. How long will you hide your face? How long will I depend on me? Um, how long will my en- enemies defeat me? Uh, it's almost as if He's, he's howling, right? Um, and, and at this point, especially with this, this first step where you recognize and recognize the, the state of our human condition, uh, that we are going to experience pain and suffering. Um, this is something we all do, right? Even if you're uh, a believer or not a believer, um, we can all meet at this point where we realize, man, something's not quite right, you know, um, whatever the case may be and whatever the cause may be. And you can think of a thousand different examples that kind of fit into that. Um, some examples are, are very, very personal and very, very relational. Um, uh, the, the university uh, at HLG had um, Daryl Strawberry come in and talk on, on Friday at its booster banquet, and he had a chance to talk to our baseball team um, that afternoon beforehand, and it was just amazing, um, his story. And, and if you don't know who he was, he was a, a baseball player in the 80s and 90s, and a great baseball player, um, a first pick overall um, but he, uh, his baseball um, career was kind of overlooked, overshadowed by the, the trouble he had off the field and the things that he struggled with. And uh, the first thing that he brought up um, whenever he talked to us had nothing really even to do with that. He talked about his relationship with his own father um, and the struggles that he had and 
uh, you know, he said that he eventually broke ties with his dad at a young age, age of 14. Dad brought a, a shotgun home and said he's going to kill the family. And he left at that point and, and kind of went on his own way and, and ultimately ended up becoming famous because of the fact that God give, gifted him in baseball. Um, but never really experienced salvation until um, just a few years ago, and now he's a he's a pastor and, and, a, and a wonderful story. But man, you know that, that kind of stuff breaks your heart when you hear about, you know, um, and and the fact of the matter that stuff, you know, that pain, that suffering is that tragedy goes on all of the time, um, and you know, in, in a lighter way, sometimes you see that presented in a lot of uh, what you say uh, different ways as well. Um, sometimes even even just seeing, you know. Um, a story play out or a plot unfold kind of makes you feel that way. I was, um, I don't know what made me think of this, but I was watching uh, um, Planet Earth, which was a documentary that came out maybe five or six years ago. It was really, really good stuff. Um, I think in one of them, I think it was Planet Earth, maybe not, but there's a story of this like um, polar bear, you know, searching for, for food and he's trying to survive. Um, and uh, he's kind of on, the, on that, that, that brink of... Um, death, you know, because I mean, kind of emaciated, I, it, it's, you know, it's a nature, you know, uh, he might, he might die if he doesn't find food. And of course they follow the, the story of this polar bear for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, falling through ice and, you know, uh, just the frozen tundra forever, forever. And he ends up uh, coming over this hill and you hear the narrator, you know, prepping you for the fact that he's going to find food. Um, I'm not so sure what I expected, but he comes over the hill, and what do you see? You see, like, this walrus family, and then you realize this polar bear is going to eat a, a, not just a walrus, right, which are kind of ugly, but like a baby pup walrus, like the cutest thing in the world, you know? And even though it's a, a silly example, you think, wait a second, you know, I've been rooting for this polar bear to find food, and now he's going to uh, kill a baby little animal, the cutest thing you could ever imagine. Ah, I'm torn. Um, but what a great example, you know, even, even in the, the way the nature sometimes lays itself out, like, um, pain and suffering and tragedies, uh, even, even when you just watch a documentary can, can be very, very true. Um, and that's exactly what, um, what we want to talk about and and kind of that emotion that goes along with that as we kind of work through these, uh, this path, uh, these four phases that David experiences. And I think, um, you know, if you look at the life of David, as we, we often do, you know, David is a common person that we kind of looked at in, in terms of character, in terms of what he, he did. Um, life was very triumphant, very successful. And yet in the Psalms, in, in many different places, not just here, right, we see uh, him experiencing um, and, and pouring out to God that, that vast array of emotion that uh, uh, is contained within a beautiful poetic language. But at the same time, right, um, he feels bitterness, he feels rejection, he feels distant from God, um, and then uh, on another page he'll feel joy, you know, love kind of contrasted with anger and assurance and confusion. And these, uh, these emotions are, are very important, uh, and, and, and um, sometimes we don't focus too much on those, you know, the fact that God gave us um, these emotions and, and created us with them, uh, and it's our job and our task to, to cry out before him and to lay that at his feet, and, and at least I'm going to argue through that honest outpouring of, of such feeling, even strong feelings, um, we're brought into the psalmist's path. We recognize our need for God if we don't have a relationship with him. Um, we're given assurance if we do have a relationship with him. 
Um, so the first thing I'm going to do uh, as we kind of look through this recognition, the recognition of pain, um, which you know, isn't very hard for us to do. I think it's very easy for us to, to pick out um, in our world, like I said earlier, uh, believer or not. Um, but in, even intellectually, um, we need to understand, uh, you know, we will ask that question why uh, and understand how the world works and the gospel treats that so that we can better understand um, uh, the path of that, that God will leave it, lead us down as opposed to other paths. Um, and there's always a lot of questioning that is associated with it, right? Here, here David's howling, how, how, how. Um, we ask why a lot um, whenever we see injustice um, and things like that. So um, philosophy a lot of times starts to answer that question of pain's origin and place in our existence. And so, um, you know, I thought very quickly we kind of go over that that gospel worldview. And I put some slides on up here, and they've kind of shrunk whenever I transported them over to uh, the presentation they're glowing in blue now. I think our bulb might be going out. So anyway, um, actually makes it easier to read. So the biblical perspective of pain um, is this. Uh, the pain is a product of, the, of a fallen world. Uh, we see that account in Genesis 3. We, we talked a lot about that in the last few months whenever we've been going over these big questions um, that a lot of people ask, right? Um, pain is real. It's undeniable aspect of our human condition. And... Um, that's a big, uh, a big point to be made because the Bible isn't just this perfect, perfectly little packaged um, blueprint for us to kind of figure out how to be happy or how to, to be away from pain, but instead it's a story of broken people who constantly are um, trying to distance ourselves from God and God's constantly trying to bring us back to Him, right? And uh, a great example of that is even in... Um, the history of Israel and Judah and uh, how, you know, so often God has to, to bring out punishment to, to show them that and, and does oftentimes it, it incites a uh, emotional reaction that's very similar to what David experienced here. In, in Lamentations 3, um, we see the fall of Jerusalem and, and Jeremiah um, mourning over that and asking God, why, why is that the case? Why, why did you choose to, um, to destroy this wonderful city that you had, you had created, right, for your chosen people? Um, and this emotion, again, is real, and I thought I'd read this because, because it's such a strong example of that type of emotion uh, he feels, and he's talking about God um, bringing his punishment to all of the people of Israel. It says, he drove into my kidneys. This would be um, Lamentations 3.13, through 18. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughing stock of all the peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance is perished. So has my hope from the Lord. And, and that's going to be something we talk about that's hopefully prefacing a little bit that idea of hope. Um, here he says that his hope has vanished um, and is gone. And, and while, at least as I read this passage, it's hard for me to get past the idea of teeth grinding on gravel, right? I don't know. It's just something about it. Um, Often, uh, what we see here is, is a true, genuine expression of emotion, um, which is important, and is, as we'll talk about soon, uh, something that we don't uh, do very often, um, genuinely. Uh, the next biblical perspective, not only is pain the product of a fallen world, not only is it real and undeniable, um, 
but also creation groans to return to a state without pain. Um, just like David is, is asking this how, this why, uh, we see in a similar way, um, we do have a desire uh, to return um, to return to a place where we don't see that anymore. Uh, Romans 8 is a great example of that. Um, this would be Romans 8, 18, 18 through 24. It says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the Son of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only in the creation, but we ourselves, who have first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, but for hope, um, for who hopes what he sees? For if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And that's bringing up the point, um, which is the next point on the slide here, that basically we live in the, in the tension of the already and the not yet. Um, and, you know, in many ways we see the injustices of the world, whether it's act out, acted out upon ourselves or acted out upon others or um, a disaster or, um, you know, a, a situation, even, you know, uh, animals killing each other, maybe. Um, we know full well uh, as Christians, um, that, that Christ has come to save us and will someday completely restore our broken bodies. And so, um, you know, what a powerful example of that. And again, um, even in the midst of this questioning that David has, hopefully kind of lending us to a, leading us to a point where we can, we can fully and firmly say, like, hope, hope is what uh, we're after, right? And, and it's the only place that we can come to that is through God and, and his, all, his all powerful and all loving ways. And, and that's the last point here, okay? When we talk about our, our world and, and the pain that we have, um, God also is, is all-powerful. He's all-loving, um, even in the midst of that. And while sometimes that's hard for us to understand, um, it's very true. And, and he sent for us to answer in Christ because of that. Um, now, just to contrast that a little bit, I think it's good for us to understand a lot of worldviews that we have today, um, or even from, from deep in, in human history past, don't account uh, for, for pain or for problems or for questioning in, in quite the same way. Um, I put up a few here, just a few examples of, of ones that really emphasize that role that, that pain plays, because, I mean, so often we ask the question, you know, oh man, you know, I'm hurting, I'm struggling. What, what does that mean? How does that come out of it? And so the, the Stoic, which would have been an ancient Greek philosopher, before even the time of Christ, um, completely tried to rid the, the person of emotion. He said that was the weakness, you know, that, that's the problem. Um, emotion is bad, and so we should purge ourselves from that. And any, anything that's good or bad or worldly pleasure, we shouldn't really worry about. We should just be logical people, and logic overrides that. Um, the Buddhist kind of has a similar line, but he takes it even a step further. He says that pain is, is not, not real, it's just a state of mind. Right, and um, and we uh, probably argue here, and, and definitely do that. Um, obviously, that's going to run in conflict with the fact that we see true outpourings of pain, and, and we know uh, full well um, that, that pain is a real thing. But but the Buddhists would say that it's more of a reflection of our personal inability to rise above our shortcomings, which I, I think is interesting perspective. But uh, the atheist 
looks at pain and says that God cannot exist. Why would an all-powerful, all-knowing God, um, who's also good, uh, choose to have pain and suffering in his world, right? Um, and, uh, and so they come to this conclusion, well, therefore, right? Therefore, God doesn't exist, and we'll talk about that in a second as well. And, and the hedonist, even maybe more than the other ones, will look at, at pain and try to find purpose in absence of pain and, and, and find, your, find your happy, you know, and that's a very, very common worldview we see all over the place. Pain is to be avoided at all costs. Um, in the gospel, um, we don't see these perspectives, obviously. And what's, what's scary about these is the fact that I don't think they're going to lead us down that same path that David follows, which is ultimately going to lead us to uh, gratitude to God. Um, it's going to lead us down a very, very different path. Um, and, uh, man, I've, I've seen these in all over the place. They're very prevalent in counseling and education, you know, um, uh, in a lot of different settings. Uh, and they're easily easy to adopt and easy to kind of adapt and even uh, kind of believe in. But ultimately, um, what we learn from the gospel is that they're not true. Um, and, and we should have a biblical perspective on pain and suffering, um, you know, we should look to that path really in general, um, you know, the biblical account answers that big question as well. And so um, a little bit more kind of to go down and, and bring us back to, to the verses. I want to look again at, at, uh, at Psalm 13, one, uh, 1 through 4, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, the outpouring of, of David's soul. Not only does he recognize that he's in pain, um, but he recognizes that I need to pour out my soul to God. And so I'm going to repeat these verses. Uh, it says, verse 1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Right, even though there is definitely a, I don't know, an intellectual side to it where you can look at, um, you know, pain and try to understand your world. At the same time, this is a, a very emotional thing that we're talking about, right? Um, and uh, it should be comforting to remember uh, all of these things that we just went over in terms of the biblical perspective. All right, and the biggest one I think there is that we do live in the tension of the the already what God has accomplished for us even though we're still waiting for him to come back a second time um, and to, to redeem his creation and, and to take away the, the pain and suffering and, and the cause for what David's saying here and the questions that he's asking. Um, the emotion of David is very evident um, here. And obviously it kind of presents the fact that he's a very sensitive man, um, not callous. I think sometimes we can we can get into this idea that um, you know we could we can have it all figured out up here, um, but in our hearts sometimes we we have less less control, which is just the nature of what, what we are and who we are. Um, but um, we are called to be sensitive to pain. Uh, there's so many examples of that in other places as well, and the Psalms are a great example of that. Most all Psalms are like that, but um, in, in Romans it says, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, right? This is something that can be applied to even um, our relationships with others. Um, we should let our love be genuine. We should abhor what's evil. We should hold fast to what is good. In Psalm 34:18, it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. It saves the crushed in spirit. And so, so this is actually an important step in, in our realization that, uh, um, that God's in control and we're not, all right, calling out before him. And that's exactly what David does here. There's a, there's a touch of, of humility 
um, that kind of rings true throughout this, right? Um, David is, is recognizing that God's in control, and he's asking that question, how long, how long, how long will this take, right? Um, I'm in need of you, and uh, where do we turn when things aren't right? You know, I think about my own heart and, and the problems and the struggles that I have, and, and so often if, if I don't feel quite right, if I'm disoriented, um, I'm going to try to way, find a way to solve that. Right, um, and and there's so many so many ways that we can do that and, and ignore things that cause us pain, um, you know. And by ignoring it, I know what I do. I just get busier. You know, that's that's an easy answer. Um, we could smother it, smother the pain. Um, I look for pleasure. You know, that kind of masks that, or whether it's in food or, you know. Uh, um, I mean, anything that, that makes you feel good, you know, and it gets the endorphins ticking. Um, it's easy to smother uh, the pain, and it's easy to drown in it as well. You know, the woe is me, period, end, right? Um, no ending conclusion to that um, like like we have and we see from, from David's lament in the psalm. Um, and then what I do, a lot of times I just Band-Aid it, right? Like, oh, I can fix that. I got, I got the answer to that problem, right? That pain, that the, the answer to the question that David's asking here in verses 1 through 3, how, why, why are you like this? Instead of asking God that, I go straight to, I can fix it. Let me just get out my, whatever the case may be, you know, my, my tools, my, um, my intellect, my, um, you know, whatever the case may be. And usually doesn't work out. Let's put it that way. Um, Philippians 4, uh, 6 and 7 um, start to hopefully kind of help us transition into uh, the last part of the psalm. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. The first thing is God wants to know. uh, God wants you to pour out your soul to him. Right. Um, even if uh, we're questioning his authority at times, even if we're, you know, we're trying to find an answer, um, God wants to develop a real and personal relationship with you. Right. And um, a real and personal relationship means just that. Uh, I think about my prayer life and a lot of times it kind of skips around from the dear God. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. I pray for this person who needs help. I pray for that person who might be a missionary. Amen. All right, help me to have a good night's sleep. And uh, that's not a true relationship if, if you um, really think about it. You know what I mean? There's not an honest, genuine outpouring of um, truthfulness that we give in that line whenever we pray to God. And, and so that was very, very challenging to me um, because that is obviously going to lead into the issue of comfort and who do you find comfort in and what do you find comfort in. Um, so... We've kind of covered hopefully the first two aspects of recognizing our pain, um, pouring our heart out to God, and, and in so doing, I think you, you recognize your need for God uh, through that. And so verses 3 and 4 in Psalm 13 read, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Right? This is something that's very, um, it's not just within David's heart, it's a visible Visible thing, right? He is visibly shaken. Even his enemies can see that. Um, and David's saying, give me eyes to see you, right? Your path, your plan in the midst of my struggle, my pain. Um, he makes reference to even death, right? Um, man, that's a strong word to describe a lowly state. Um, and his enemies ultimately believe they've won, right? They see him wavering and shaken. And so we see our humanity fleshed out through the gospel so often. David, even the great David, right? is weak, he's vulnerable. He asks God for help. And again, uh, 
that is a very humbling thing to do, but something that God asks of us. Um, you take the example of a child and a parent, you know what I mean, in that relationship that we have uh, with each other. Um, what are those things that often get in the way of that child asking for help? Right? It's pride. I, I can do it on my own. I can take care of this on my own. Um, and I think we can all, you know, recount the ways that we were like that. I know, especially that those those teenage preteen years, right? Um, age like fourteen to twenty, when your parents don't know anything and you know everything. Um, but here, David shows this humility. All right, God, I need your help. I need your help here. And God answers. And that's kind of that last point, and uh, is a big deal. Assurance and peace follow after that, all right, which is, which is what we need oftentimes. It says in verse 5, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. The flip has been switched, right? The water's calmed. Uh, David comes around this corner here and he recognizes that uh, um, what is the character of God? The character of God is, is um, one that is loving and we can rest in right? Um, God provides our salvation. He's generous to his people. He's been generous with me. Um, and there's that sense of peace and calm that goes with it, which is really, really neat. And um, oftentimes what, what gives us peace when, when we're upset, you know, um, uh, oftentimes it's relationships, you know, and the relationships we have with other people. And um, that's exactly what, you know, what God's kind of trying to do here. He's pulling David back to himself, um, you know, uh, and we have to accept what his purpose is, right? And his purpose isn't necessarily um, to make us happier. Um, the purpose isn't necessarily to, uh, to make us feel good about certain circumstances or things like that. He wants us in a, in a personal relationship with him, right? Um, and, and to give, give him those things. And so, that's how God made us. You know, we're hardwired for that, for that relationship with Him, and and that hope um, is a big deal. Uh, you know, it's kind of the the theme. If you think about um, all of the passages we've read so far, Romans eight, right? Uh, creation groans for the hope of the not yet. Um, I think in a lot of ways, David's yearning for that not yet, and and I think a good question we could ask is, do we yearn for that? Do we yearn for that, the way that, that God will ultimately uh, save our world? You know, um, in uh, Lamentations, even though we didn't read that part, it ends with the hope that God has um, as he returns to his people uh, that he gives us, you know, he instills in us. Um, and here in verses 5 and 6 of Psalm, we see that again, right? It's, it's a matter of hope. Um, and uh, that suffering isn't without cause and without purpose. Um, Romans 5, 1 through 5 says, Therefore, we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into the grace with which we now stand. So we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope doesn't disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. Um, so my, la my last point um, with this section is, uh, is this. Um, is God just a moralistic, therapeutic deity? So there's some words for you if you want to look into that. Um, moralistic, therapeutic deity. Um, basically, the, it's the idea, maybe we don't necessarily label it as this, but it's the idea that um, God's there to help me only when I'm in trouble. 
Um, God's there to kind of tally up how many times I do good things and how many times I do bad things. Um, and uh, that's what God's job is, right? He just kind of stands off in the distance and, and tallies up your points um, and, uh, and helps you when you're in trouble. Um, and the answer, of course, is no. That's not what, what God's intention is, right? Um, even though he does give us hope and he gives us salvation, um, that comes at a, a really, really, really steep cost, right? Uh, because his grace has been poured out to us, not in a way that's in any ways distant, um, but also because uh, he sent his son to die for us on the cross, right? And, and David, obviously here before, before that, um, that event occurred, David's yearning for that and putting his trust in God, but in the same way, we know how the story ends, right? And that, uh, that Jesus sent his son to die for us. And so um, God's purpose for us and, and, and uh, for all of mankind, you know, is much, much more serious than just trying to make us feel good about ourselves. And um, grace isn't easy, right? And I hope you understand that, you know, there's, there's pain. And any pain that we also experience should maybe remind us of the path that, that that grace took when Christ came to earth and, and experienced um, all the sin and, and pain on, on our behalf um, and, and died for our sins. Um, and also, along with that, you know, Jesus is called our great sympathizer and, and, and empathizer because he did experience those things, right? Um, God isn't just some, some mighty being that kind of stands off in the distance. Like he chose to come out in and, and be among us and, and to live with us and die with us um, for our sins. And just, you know, what that means and the implication there is, is perfect. It's, it's hope. That's what it stands for, right? Uh, in, in hope in, in, in Christ. And so to conclude, I, I hope you kind of understand a little bit about maybe the, uh, the psalmist's path. Uh, and how it directs us to, to hope in Christ, right? We have this, this recognition of our pain. Um, we pour out our soul to God. Um, we, we recognize our place and our, you know, underneath the authority of God. And, and then with that, uh, God gives us comfort. Uh, God gives us a, a sense of peace. And, um, that peace is, is ultimately the hope that we can find in our relationship with Him. Um, and, uh, and how often it is to, you know, forget that and kind of just go about our day and when we do pray to kind of just offer up the, the empty words that we always use, um, maybe throw in some of those buzzwords that sound really good, right, and, and, and be on with it instead of um, being wholehearted and earnest in the way that we, uh, we pray to God um, and bringing forth everything that we have uh, to Him, knowing that, that He's going to work that out for His, his plan and His purpose. Um, let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you so much for... Uh, uh, for your goodness and, and for the fact that you give us peace. And there's sometimes it's easy to be maybe overwhelmed um, with the questions and the whys and the hows of this world and, and get caught up in, in, um, in just the struggle that, that, is, that is life. And um, I thank you for the fact that you sent Christ, that you sent an answer for us and that, uh, that you, you're good. And you want to save us. And um, I thank you again for, uh, for that. Here I pray. Amen.